So I want to start this message by saying um, I'm excited this week. I'm excited about correction. God corrected me a couple of times this week. And they were like very, very strong. I won't even say so much rebukes, even though they were, but it was more, it was correction. And he dealt with me about perspectives. And one of the things he dealt with me about is this, and I'm sure many of us on here today are going to relate to this one. God said, you know, when people offend you or do something to hurt you, you just like, that's it. I'm done. Shut them out. Done. Gone. Finish. Over. And God said, you know, I created you to be a peacemaker in, in a relationship builder, not keep throwing people away. And I was like, nah, I like the throwing it away thing. It's, it's a lot easier <laughs> to deal with, you know, just saying, oh, you hurt me, you don't get to do it again. And I try, especially if, you know, you try to really help people and then they still do the stuff they do. You know, so somebody here other than me knows what I'm talking about, right? It's not just me, right? And so the thing, the solution is, they're done. I'm finished with you. Over. Done. Now, I usually don't wear, I try to stay away from logos and trademarks and everything. But I left this one on today because it's the, the Nike just do it thing. And that's where I felt God was dealing with me with this week. Look, never mind how you feel. Never mind what you think they may do. Never mind if you think they're going to appreciate you or not. Just do it. Just do what I tell you to do. It's okay. I got you if you're doing what I tell you to do. So I said, well, God, teach me. Yeah, teach me how not to respond to offense with offense. Um, and before, let me just say this, Jesus, I grew because if you offended me, then I was going to offend you back. And in the manner that you offended me, I was going to come at you. So now my new way of offending back is I'm going to, quote unquote, keep the peace I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Shut you out. And God said to me, yeah, that, but that's not the best. It's not the best. And sometimes their salvation may be predicated on me. I won't say you because I don't want to put you in the spot. I'm just going to say on me. I'm saying God, God is saying, but you are the door to their salvation. You are the one I picked to lead them to the kingdom. So if you decide to shut them out, you may be removing their only and last chance for salvation. Now, there are those God will instruct us to back away from and move away from. But you know how you know the difference? And I just figured I'd start the message with this. There's the time, usually when God is telling me to back away from people, those people I don't want to back away from because I, I see a benefit to me. And those are the ones that God is like, yeah, but they no good. You need to get away from them. But then there are others where I want to go and I can feel the tug of God like, yeah, but I need you to stand for me. I need you to be in this place because it's important for you to be there and I need you to be there. So what I'm submitting you to, to, you, to you today was the correction I received this week was two things. One, God said to me, I want you to begin confessing that you are a builder of relationship and covenant and not a person to keep breaking them or throwing them away. And I said, well, 
okay, you're going to help a brother with that. He said, oh, nothing else you've accomplished in life has been without my help. So that, that goes without saying. I just need you to say yes. And the other thing he began to say to me is, I need you to be more, listen to me now. I need you to be more comfortable with direction. And what I mean by direction is when God starts to tell us to go somewhere, we want to uh, plan and pre-plan and package something and make sure we got our picnic basket and, you know, just in case. And what, you know, come on, we want to, okay, well, I know God is telling me to go, but I just, you know, I just, I want to, I want to be sure. I want to make sure I have what I need. God's like, I need you to be really, really clear with direction. And when I give it to you, I need you to just be ready to go. And I don't need you to start getting ready when you feel comfortable to get ready or at the last moment when I call you. See, see let me explain this to you. This is a church boo-boo or phenom- phenomenon, if you want to say it. The church will say to you, but to be able to cast demons out on stuff, Jesus said, this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. So once we see the situation, see, we need to get into prayer. We need to get into fasting. We need to get ready. And, but Jesus didn't stop and pray and fast before he cast his demon out this boy. He did it right there on the spot. So he's not talking about prayer and fasting when the moment hits. He's talking about prayer and fasting before the moment comes so that when the moment comes, you are already ready to go forward and do what he needs you to do. He don't need you to stop and take a detour and then stop at a grocery store and do a bunch of shopping. And, and, and if you think I'm wrong, there was a time when Jesus would say he was calling people and he said, I got to bury my mother and my father. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. You just come with me now. Leave your cow, leave your farm, leave your whatever. I need you ready now. So what I'm trying to say is God has been saying to me, I need you to be more sensitive to time. And time means when I start prompting you to get ready, get ready now. Don't wait until the moment is at hand and you got to run around and scramble and try to find it and be like the virgins who the, 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 the bridegroom closed the door before they got there. Or you, you understand, we need to be ready. We need to be on time by being prompted by his spirit. Every one of us right now, on this has a sense of destiny already. We know what it is. We know what it is, but we want to keep pushing that off because it's not present. So we want to deal with it. And it's, it's, it's a good, it's a, a phrase that um, I've heard Lindsay start to use a lot in business and, and, and I've adopted it. And it was like, you want the low hanging fruit. And God was like, yeah, yeah. But sometimes I don't, I want you to walk around with a ladder. Because sometimes I want you to go straight to the top while you messing around with your low-hanging fruit. I need you to just, just carry, whether it's a pain in the butt carrying the ladder, I'm carry the ladder. You sensing me in this season, carry the ladder. We're going to the fruit up high. Saints, I want us in this season, and again, God messes with me, I mess with you. I want us in this season to be ready an instant and sensing the move of God and what God is doing so that we prepare before. So when he says, I'm prompting you now to go, he doesn't have to wait for you to scramble and you don't have to risk missing your opportunity. Amen? It's very important. So with all of that said, I want you to watch this. In this season, I'm showing you the protection of God, but I'm not showing you the protection of God just so you can say, well, then I can sit back. I'm protected. 
the protection of God are for those who are about something and going forward. And what I'm going to share with you today, based on this correction he gave me in the scriptures I already had in this verse, I mean, for this service or this message, when he gave me this revelation, I said, okay, there's something else you're opening up here with the same verse. I thought it was supposed to have one meaning, but I'm seeing it has another. And let's first go back to Isaiah 54, just for a minute. I'm just going to read through it again, touch on it. And, and to the end of it, and then we're going to go forward. Um, but in Isaiah 54, I'm starting going to um, right to verse 14. Let's start at 14, and, then, and, and I'm going to just read through it, right? I'm not going to do a lot of elaboration because we did it. But let me just do this. It says this. In righteousness, you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. Let me just put that together. You already established. Tyranny is far from you. You have nothing to fear. Terror will be removed. It will not come near you. I, I, please, saints, take this. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. And last week I did it from the King James. This week I'm doing it from the Amplified. I mean, from the NID, because it reads a little simpler. Okay, verse 15. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. Say it is not God's doing when I'm attacked. Let's just hold on to that. You know, maybe the Lord isn't, maybe he's upset with me. Maybe the sin in my life. Can we please stop doing this? Okay, once and for all. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, that's what it comes down to. Oh, I got to go pray I'm under attack. No, you should be able to subdue them because you've already prayed and you're already fasted and you've already seeked and you already have the tools so that when the enemy comes against you, you already know what the power is that you have. And I want to just really put this down for you to understand and make sure you get this. Nellie was telling me about that there was a, a friend of hers who doesn't come regularly, but she is tuned into JCMI enough. And she has a church. And in that church, they teach the suffering thing. You got to go through it. You got to go through hell. It's got to be some hard times. And she still goes there. But lately, she's been rebelling against this teaching. Like, no, I, I, I don't accept this anymore. I'm getting tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it. I don't believe God is a menace. And I don't believe God is the source of my problems. So I'm not going to continue to allow this to be spoken over me. Now, she's still there. And so she's going to have to eventually come to the realization that, well, you can't sit under that and be free from it. But that's between her and God. But the fact is, she's come to the revelation like you guys have come to the revelation. And everybody that has been through the house knows that you can go ahead and believe that if you want. And I've had people leave JCMI and go back to that. And I mean, go back to it sevenfold and watch their sufferings just multiply on them. Because once it comes back and finds the house clean, you know, the demons go get seven more. And I've watched people, you know, have something happen. They're like, no, I, I believe God put you through it. And then I've just watched them literally sink into the quicksand of attack and torment. But once again, it's here in the word for you to see. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. And whoever attacks you should surrender to you. They will. They should. I'm saying they should. The word says they will. That means if they're not, they should. And that means you should expect them to because the word said they will. So if, they not, if they're not, they should. And if they should, then you should accept they should so that they will. That's some circular reasoning there, but just work with it. 
all right? They will surrender to you. Then watch this. He goes and says, see, I created the blacksmith who fans the coals and flames them and forges a weapon for it to work. And I have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. And I've seen preachers do whole sermons on this. I created this. See, so when the destroyer comes against you, it's God. And they taught that, stopped right there. But he goes on to say, but no weapon formed against you shall prevail. It should not prevail against you. Yeah, I created them. I made them. I put them out there. But you got two statements here that to affirm. Yeah, God said, I created the destroyer. Yes, I did not create the law in vain. That man does not yield the sword for no reason. But it says, but I didn't send him on you. Somebody say loud. He didn't send it against me. The attack is not for me. That sword is not for me. And if they come against you, is not my doing. Watch this. No weapon formed against you shall prevail, and you should refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me is from me. This is it. God is here to vindicate. He's your protector. He's your keeper. Make a decision from this day forward that anything evil that rises against you is not in the plan of God, is not for you, is not designed for you. That means the enemy is using the weapons that are created for him against you. And if you continue to continue to accept that they're for you, there's nothing that can be done about it. It's your call to make. They're not for you. So I want you to take a moment right now and look at anything that seems to be coming against you in your life. I want you to take a moment right now and look like and look at anything that seems like an attack, be it on your body, your health, your finances, whatever it is. And I want you to just take a moment right now and say, it wasn't made for me. It's not his doing. It's not his doing. It's right here at 15. Isaiah 45, 15. It's, if anyone attacks you, if you don't remember any, any other scripture, I'm, why am I getting so tongue-tied today? If you don't remember any other scripture for the rest of your life, Isaiah 54, 14, 15. If anyone attacks you, it will not be my doing. And whoever attacks you will surrender to you. What does that mean? I made the enemy your footstool. That's what it means. It means that when they come against you, you can sit there and say, God, make them stop. Or you can say, no, this same person that you sent Satan to try to thwart me is going to turn around and be a blessing to me. The heathen for my inheritance. That is what our word promises, that he's giving you the heathen to inherit. I don't want nothing to do with the heathen. I want the heathen. I rebuke them. No, they're your inheritance. You're supposed to claim them. Bring them in. Turn them around. Allow God to use them to his glory in your life. That's your inheritance. I know you probably never thought about that before. The heathen is your, your gift. You inherit them. But you inherit them by making them surrender. They should surrender to you. You don't inherit them in the problems that they come with and the pain they bring you. I'm just going to be patient. And I'm just going to put up with it. Um, I was talking to um, my partner one day and um, she's telling her story about when she was in the African salon in seven years, she had to be still and be tormented and treated like that. And I, and I asked recently, because I heard the story more than once. First, I was like, wow, you really stood. Wow, you got faith. And then one day it just hit me. But wait a minute, why did you have to be subject to, you know, the Bible says he will not lead you, in, lead you into the presence of mean men. 
Your gift should bring you before kings and he should not put you in the presence of mean and obscure men. So even though that was beautiful of you that you stood for seven years, were you supposed to? And that became the question, yeah, you, you're wearing that as a badge of honor, but let me ask you a question. Were you supposed to? Because as I started reading these scriptures, it started dawning on me. God, you don't, you don't subject us to that. Come on, babies, listen to what I'm saying. I want to see a little more amen and excitement in your face. I know your mind is still going, but yeah, but don't you have to sometime? I know because you have heard that for so long that it's become your lot in life. But I'm telling you, it's a lie. And I'm telling you, it's not your lot. It belongs to the heathen. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the wicked. It doesn't belong to you. He says it right here. I created the smith that blows the cord, creates the sword, the weapons. I created them, but not for you. It's right here. I said I wasn't going to preach on it, but it's kind of hard. I didn't want to just run through this thing. You are the protected. Let me ask you a question, children of God. You got children or children that you love, nieces and nephews? How many weapons you created to hurt them? How many things you going out to make to see them get hurt? How many how much pain you want to watch them go through to learn their way to righteousness? How, how, how much torment do you want them to feel? My God, when you see a child trying to walk, you, you, you won't even let them stumble. You be running around trying to catch them to keep them from falling because you don't even want them to hurt themselves. So how is it that you think that God is creating things for your harm? It's not true. It's not from me, say. It's not my doing. Anybody comes against you, it's not my doing. Well, then if it's not his doing, whose doing is it? But his family, but his friend, it doesn't matter. He said, it's not my doing. When they come against you, come on, somebody said, people come against me, it's not God's doing. People try to do me harm, it's not God's doing. People try to rob me, steal from me, cheat me, it's not God's doing. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 59 right now. And I, I hope I hope you're being blessed by what you're hearing. I hope you're being encouraged and telling the devil to shut his face and claiming what belongs to you. And that is the goodness of the Lord, the protection of the Lord. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. My God, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. the goodness of the Lord. This time I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. It's a little more wordy, but I'd rather have more words that speak to your spirit than a short read. So here's what it says. Isaiah 59, starting at verse one. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened at all that it cannot save nor his ear dull with deafness that he cannot hear. Let me just, 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 just stop with this now. His hand is not too short that he can't reach you. And his ear is not deaf that he don't hear you cries. I want you to just take that in for a minute. Take that in for a minute. But your iniquities have made separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. Notice 
is that he will not hear. I mean that you let me read it again. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your hands have defied, are defied with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. Stop. So he said, I can hear, I can deliver, but by the choices you make, you separate yourself. Jesus said it like this. You are condemned, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. The Lord doesn't condemn you, but your heart does. The Lord doesn't condemn, but your heart does. What are you saying? I'm saying that when you are aware that there's a correction or a direction from the Lord and you have not yielded to it, your heart separates you. You're, you don't feel the confidence. You lose. And that's when you start saying, maybe there's sin in my life. And you start digging because you know that there's something that makes you feel unworthy. Now, balance. Because I just read the scripture that said the attacks are not for me. He just clearly said that. Don't, don't look at me. That's not, that has nothing to do with me. But I am making this point. When we are aware that we are out of line, we don't feel confident to go before him when we are aware that we are out of line. So here's the balance I'm offering. If there's just an attack that's coming on you or anything like that, you have a right to say, cease, desist, stop. That's not of God. That's for the wicked. This here says, you are now in the place that I'm not hearing your prayer and moving like you want me to. But he's still not talking about you being attacked, beat on, whipped on, and, and, or, or accosted by people. No, I'm going to make sure you're getting this because I, I, I want to be very clear. The last in 54, he's talking about attacks coming against you, be it from the enemy, be it from friends, be it from family, whoever it is. He said, that's not of me. Here he didn't say anything about attack. He said, you're not hearing me. I'm not hearing you like it. You know that your prayers are not being answered like they normally are. He's being very specific to say to you, there is an area of silence and separation that you are feeling between me and you. That's not cancer. That's not disease. That's not poverty. That's not sickness. That's your inability to get the answer you need because your ear has become dull. And there is a difference. That means the salvation he talked about is yours, is still yours. The deliverance he talked about yours is still yours. The prosperity and the gifts he talked about are yours is still yours. But your inability to get the wisdom to find the direction you need is lacking right there. And there's where the separation is. But not yet has he said, and I'm sending the punisher to beat you up and knock you around and hurt you. He said, you can't find your deliverance and you're going through what you go through sometime because be your own actions and your own decisions have made it hard for you to hear my direction. You've separated yourself. You separated yourself from me that my voice is no longer clear to you. Stubbornness, hard-headedness. He said, disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. He said, because you harden your heart, because you allowed your own self to drift off into your own perspective 
you can't hear me anymore. Well, what's the change, the solution to that? Stop doing that. You know, the old joke, we used to go to the doctor and he said, when I lift my hand like this, it hurts. And the doctor says, well, don't do that. Well, don't do that. That's the answer. Well, don't do that. Then don't do that anymore. If you know what it is, and if you ask him, he will, will reveal it. But what are you going to do when he reveals it? Let's keep going. I want to, I, I'm going to read through some more of this stuff, but I want you to see how it ends because it always ends in deliverance. Amen? Um, verse three, your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. None sues or cause, listen, listen to this close, listen close. None sues or cause in righteousness, but for the sake of doing iniquity to others, to take someone else's undue advantage, no one goes to law honestly and pleads his case in truth. I'll explain it. They trust in emptiness, worthlessness and futility and speaking lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth evil. This is talking about a, a nation now. It's not talking about an individual. It's talking about the people of God who've actually chosen a lie over the truth because it benefits them. Let me, let me, let me see if I can, if I can touch on this a little bit. So we've seen it in the political world where religious leaders begin to accept the lies and the, and the mischievousness and, and, and the evil of a, of a person because he matched their political perspective that they were able to look away from his evil and still do and won't call evil evil. They will even go stand in court and, and try to use biblical pretense. And I say this to people all the time. Somebody say to me, yeah, but these people, you know, but they, they believe they found God, they're Christian. I'm like, no, 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 I need you to understand that the, the majority of these slave owners and stuff back then in slavery time called themselves Christians and believer, believers of God and used the Bible to justify their position of enslaving men and women and treating them cruel and mean and hanging them and doing the stuff they were doing in the name of their belief in Christianity. So don't tell me somebody's a Christian. I don't care what Christian, quote unquote, network they're on. A lot of them are, are, are blue-blooded, kill anybody that don't agree with them and say it's Jesus. So I don't lay hold on nobody because they call themselves a Christian. I could care less. Show me your integrity and how you follow the word, not how you pick and choose. And we all make mistakes, don't get me wrong, but I, sin is sin. God told me I'm in sin. I'm in sin. I'm, I'm not trying to say, yeah, but in the right sunlight, if you lean your head like this a little bit, listen, own it, accept it, repent of it, and get up on your feet and get where you need to go. But don't be trying to come up with these, what the scriptures talking about, these lies and these, you won't even go to court and stand for what's right. You won't even go to court and stand by the truth. You won't even go to court and say what this man, this woman did is evil and it was unjust because it benefits you to hold on to the lie. And this is what he's talking about. This is how evil has become. Verse seven, jumping down. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Ha! Huh. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, desolation and destruction and are the, pathway, and are the pathways and, and their paths and in their highways. Now, 
January 6th, a great number of those people storming the Capitol believed they were doing the Lord's work. They called themselves Christians and they still do. And they went right back home and went to church the next morning. All right. These people believe in doing what they're doing. They're doing God's work. They're calling themselves Christians. I don't trust the title. I watch the spirit in the heart of people. So look at this. The way of peace, they don't know. And there is no justice or right in their goings. Are you listening to me? Let me stop and just say this so you understand why I'm reading this. Talking about God's protection. I'm talking about how God covers. But I want you to be, if you remember, we did um, Isaiah 54. It started with saying, you know, if there's trouble in your life, or if there are issues, or if these things have come against you, and I begin to show you through that, he's saying these things do exist, but this is his position on them for you and concerning you. You, you with me? Now, I'm showing you this because this is today's times. This is the times we're living in. This is what we're living in. And when you step out there to do what you believe is your godly duty, I want you to know that even back then, this was there. Oh, the world today it is, it's no different. The Roman government did the same thing this government is doing. It's no different. They call it evil good and good evil. It's the way it is, it's in the word. So it's here, there, it's here from then. I'm reading it to you now. Let's get back into it. Back to verse eight, the way of peace, they don't know. And there's no justice or right in their goings. They have made, they have made them into crooked paths. Whoever goes in them does not know peace. Are you listening to me? And that's in Romans chapter Three anyway, that's in Romans chapter three, verses I think 15, 16, somewhere around. That's in Romans chapter three. Therefore, our justice and right far from us, and righteousness and salvation do not overtake us. We expectantly wait for light, but only see darkness and brightness, but walk in continually obscurity and gloom. We grope for the walls like the blind. Yes, we grow like those who have no eyes. We stumble in the noonday as in the twilight, in dark places and amongst those who are full of life and vigor, we are seen as dead men. Whoa, this is deep. So now let's drop down. Yes, it has a happy ending, but I want you to see the state of the world you live in and in your Christianity and in your spirituality, be real to yourself, be true. You have power, but this is what's out there. He's showing you in the midst of this. Watch this. Verse 15, no, verse 14. Justice is turned away backwards and righteousness stands off from afar. For truth has fallen in the streets and uprightness cannot enter the course of justice. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like what you hear on the news every day or experience in your own life? Watch this. Verse 16. And he saw that there was no, was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor 
no one to intervene on behalf of truth and right. Therefore, his own arm brought him victory and his own righteousness sustained him. Watch this. Yeah, I know I'm getting deep on you today a little bit, but you, you, you need to be taught this kind of stuff. This is the real stuff. This is the real foundational biblical stuff. The intercessor did not exist. How many of you believe that you have intercessory in you? You're called to intercede your intercessor. So here's my question. What do you intercede for? Are you interceding for your family and your friend and your pastor and your church and the new building? And the... Okay. He's looking for a different kind of intercessor here. He says there's no intercessor, no one to intervene on behalf on truth and right. Truth and right being prevailed, I mean, prevailing and being unveiled in this earth, in this time, is where intercessors need to be. We don't need to be praying for family. See, God, Jesus, all right. I was trying to say this. Fasting and praying and seeking the anointing after things go wrong is a lack of preparation. So we want to pray and we want to march and we want to get out there and we want to cry and we want to feel something after something happens to somebody like George Floyd. And he's saying, who's praying and interceding for right and truth before those moments? Why do we only get outraged for season, then it fades away until it happens again. Because in our mind and in our hearts, we are more concerned about our day-to-day. -day. And God said, I can't find somebody to intercede for me on behalf of what I'm believing for in this season. I want you to listen to me. God's protection is there but he needs us to be in our place. And so here's what I'm trying to offer today. I'm gonna to finish reading this. I realize that I try to stay away from certain conversations because I don't want the flag. Especially now that I'm in diversity and now everybody's saying, well, yeah, LBGTQ and all this other stuff is involved in that, you know? Yeah. So how do you answer this question? How do you answer that question? Well, let me, let me try to shroud it in some God's love stuff. And, you know, it's, you know, it's between them and, you know, we just want to walk in love. And I'm not the judge. It's God's place. And I, listen, I'm calling myself out. I'm, I'm, you know, I know, I know a lot of you do that, too. And God said, but you're supposed to speak the truth in love. Yeah, you're supposed to walk in love. And yeah, you're not supposed to judge. But you're still supposed to speak the truth in love. And the thing is, you've been put in a situation where now you can't speak the truth. You're just trying to walk in love with no truth. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not getting a lot of amens and hallelujahs and head nods on this one. But it, it's, still, it's still the truth and you know it is. Yeah, I'm not supposed to judge. And I'm not supposed to criticize. But I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. And I'm supposed to say, but the truth is, in my heart, this is what the word says. 
I'm not here to criticize, I'm not here to judge, but I am here to hold fast to my truth that I know to be. I'm here to intercede that that truth prevails, okay? I'm seeing this whole thing going, I'm, I'm, I'm going there, I'm going there, I'm just let you know. This whole thing, and now they took the abortions and now they're making it illegal, or they're gonna make it illegal again, and they're fighting for this, now we wanna throw gay marriage out, and do you throw it out, and do you keep it? Listen, listen, saints, and I'm saying this, and I'm putting myself on, a target on myself by saying this. You cannot legislate righteousness. You cannot make holiness a law in a courtroom. You can't make people abort or not abort, marry or don't marry. Where are the intercessors to pray and ready to speak the truth is what the scripture is saying right here. Where are the truth speakers? Where, where are the people who are going to speak the word of God in love? Speak the truth in love. But where are the people going to speak the truth? I say get out on the corner with a, with a megaphone, but just have your spirit hot. I, I think you could do more better in intercession if he said where those who are, who are fighting for in intercession for truth and righteousness and peace, where, where, are, where are they? So this is the conviction. God said, I need you to be more ready. I, I, need you to, I need you to be more prompt. I need you to be on top. I don't need you to find yourself in a situation that now you're hit and now you got to fall on your face and pray. Where, where are the people who are prepared to take on the attacks of the enemy and shut them down? Now that you know, without question, is not from him. God did not allow George Floyd. God did not allow all these cop shootings here and there. God didn't allow all this, the water in Flint, Michigan to be poisoned. It was not God's plan. He made it very clear, it's not from me. So where are my intercessors? Where are the people who are holding down? It's planning for me. Let's wrap this up. Let's bring this on home. Let's bring it on home. My God, my God, my God. Thank you. Watch this. He said he couldn't find anybody else, so he used his own arm to sustain him. Now, I believe that's the Christ. For the Lord put on righteousness as a breastplate, breastplate or a coat of mail. And salvation is a helmet upon his head, where you find that in Romans. He put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal. Watch this. In a furious drive of jealousy. Now, verse 18. According as their deeds, listen, according as their deeds deserve, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries. Wrath to his, who hears God's adversary? Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies on foreign islands and coastlands, he will make compensation. Once again, he said in the other verse, a few verses back, stuff come. I made the, 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 the smith that blows the coals and makes the sword, builds the weapons. If it comes, it's is from you at you is not from me. And he's very clearly saying, those who have set themselves as my enemies, this is the recompense. Watch this. Verse 19, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the sun 
And when the enemies come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come rushing like a rushing stream in a breath of air that the Lord drives. So I watch, I want to make sure I make this very, very clear. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will rise up a standing against him. It's been preached. I even taught it at times and I was teaching it wrong. He's not saying the enemy comes in like a flood. He said when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him and drive him away. That's the scripture. Not when the enemy, well, the enemy comes in like a flood. He already said it's not of me. And he's supposed to be coming in like a flood for the believers of God. That's not for you. That's for the wicked. That's for those who oppose him. Those are his adversaries. Those are his enemies. For you, the children of God, he says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise a stand up against him with a driving wind to flush them away. And that's why I read it from the Amplified, because I wanted to be very clear. You are not the adversary of God. I am not. I'm going to speak for me. If you can speak for yourself, I'm not God's adversary. That's not for me. That's for them. For me, I want to then be his intercessor so that I can be there to hear what he's saying he needs me to do, how he needs me to pray, who he needs me to pray for, from governments to nations to cities to kingdoms. God, you put us there in Allentown. What you put us there for? Well, we can you know it's a big opportunity business. We can make money. Yeah, it is. Why you, listen, why are you going to Charlotte? Why, why, why? What's it for? Well, so I can just have a better life. Well, God is beginning to say to me, but I put you places for a reason. And those reasons is I need your intercession. I need your eyes to be open to the spirit of what's going on. I need you to be pulling down the spiritual strongholds and the gogs and magogs and, and, and the Jezebels of those cities and places. I need your spirit alive. I need your spirit alert. I need you with me in this move. So stop fearing the enemy coming against you. It's not for you. We made that very clear. But you do have a role. And we don't hear because we're not in the place that we're interceding. And we're not prepared so when he's ready to send us, we can go. We got to stop and pack a lunch. We got to stop and go kiss a family and then bury my mother and my father. And, and I got a cow and I just bought a land. And, and he's like, listen, I need you to be ready for me when I call you. Not trying to get ready after it's done. So I'm submitting this saints and saintettes. Listen, God needs us on point. I choose in this season of my life to be. What about you? I want to thank you for your ears. I want to thank you for this word. It's not for the light and the faint of heart. It's for people who really, really want to be used by God. And you can't be really used by God and not be really blessed by God. It's not important that your everyday life is perfect the way you want it. And yes, God wants that too, but that's not our focus. Our focus is if you're on this job, why are you there? What are you there for? I'm going to share this last story and then I'm going to get out of here. It's a story I shared before way back in the day. I remember I was working for the Board of Education as a security school safety officer. 
And they put me in this school. I never forget. It was Roosevelt High School in the Bronx. I don't know what it's called now, but it's Roosevelt um, over there in Tremont. No, Fordham Road by Fordham Road. Man, that school was like hell. It was like I was walking to hell every day. It was just the spirit was bad. The administration was horrible. The way everything was being treated, the way they treated us. And at that time, school safety was new, so they didn't really value the president. It, it, it was really, really bad. And just the, the vice principal in charge of thing, me and him, he said something out of line. I checked him. And from, from that day forward, he kind of had it in for me. It kind of makes me think a little bit of, of what um, Nelly went through in the salon. And as I was going to, I would wake up every day and I would just be depressed. I would just feel heaviness. And, and I was saying, God, I just got to get out of the school. God, I just got to get out of the school. God, God, get, get me out of here, please. Just get me out of here. And one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do you know why you're here? And I was fairly young in Christ, but I was in there long enough to understand some principles. And I said, no, I don't. He said, do you want to know? And right away, I was still up that. He's put me there to suffer stuff. Make me better through suffering. And I said, yes, I want to know. And I got up to went to work that next day. I, you know, got myself together and barely got there. And... I was in the hallway, and of course, a lot of students really, really were drawn to me because I didn't act like the Lord to them. I was more trying to be like a, a brother, father figure. And this kid came over to me, and I'm going to tell you this story because I want to wrap up, but I really want to get this in. He came over to me, he said, Mr. Brown, can I talk to you a minute? And I said, yeah. And he said, man, I need some help. I'm so confused. I said, what's going on? He said, my good friend has joined this cult in the witch and he's probably being a part of this witchcraft stuff. And he wants me to be it, and I want to be a part of it. And I know you're a Christian, and I want you to tell me what you think. And he starts pouring out his heart. His name is James. I'll never forget him. And I sat there, and I listened to him as he was pouring out his heart. And I said, well, what, what, what cult? And he started breaking down to me all the cults that were in the school. Like, these are witches, and, and this kid is a, and she's the head on Warlock and they've been putting stuff on the kids and making them want to be suicidal. And, it, and, and she's explaining, you call teen suicide. These are demons, these are cults. And, and he's explaining, he's giving it, he's telling me that's denominations and this one is against that one. He's giving me the name, the Vipers and the Reapers and whatever their names were. And he's telling me, this is who these people are, these kids. And he was saying to me, all the successful kids, the kids who were the head of the school president or the body president, all these kids were excelling through these witchcrafts. They were getting, you know, being promoted and getting all of this in the favor and grades from the teacher, all of this stuff. This is now, I want you to understand, this is high school kids. And he's explaining this to me. And all of a sudden, I understood what I was there for. And I went back home that night with fire and I prayed, I interceded. I said, God, this got to stop. This got to stop. This has to break in this school. And God showed me, and that's why you felt the depression and you felt it because the enemy was doing everything to get you out of there. But I had you there for a reason. And so after I prayed and I fasted that weekend, 
I came back in that Monday with a firm. I came and I, he already identified to me how many of the kids were involved. Some of them were deep in and knew what they were in. Some of them just wanted better grades and wanted to be popular. So they were joining, but they didn't even know the level of what they were getting into. I came to that school, prayed up that Monday morning, fasted, anointed. And I said, I'm going to walk up to each of these kids because I know most of them and they all liked me or loved me. And I'm going to hug them or put my hand on or just touch them. And when I do, they're going to be delivered. They're going to be set free. And I walked in there like I came in there all of a sudden. I came in there like bulldozers. And I walked over and started grabbing them and hugging them and touching them. I can feel it. And they, a lot of them started leaving it. I mean, I started, I started hearing as time went on. But the one chick who was the head witch of them, she was like, she was in it. She was deep. She was coming down the hallway and I saw her. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get her. And I started walking toward her. And she was walking toward me. And she looked up and she saw me. And her eyes bulged out of her head. And she turned and she literally ran the opposite direction. So God said, you can't deliver her because she don't want to be. But the ones that I called you to deliver, you can deliver. And with so many of them, there's one kid who was really, really back and forth with suicidal, white kid, stopped me in the hallway one day and said, I heard you are a Christian. I said, yeah. Can you help me? I hear voices. People think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. I prayed for that boy that day. He got delivered. I'm telling you, going back to this stuff is like, on the path to being successful and doing what we want to do, sometimes we forget what we're supposed to do. And this is probably one of the longest messages I've done in a long time. But God is shaking my tree. He's calling me back. He's like, son, I put you in Lehigh Valley for a reason. I put you on the board for a purpose. All this promotion that's being offered to you, I've given you favor in the eyes of men. And I want to use you in that favor to speak the truth in love. Saints, we have work to do. It's not hard work, but you got one thing in your favor right now. The enemy don't have a right to come against you. And if he does, you know how to say immediately, this ain't God, I don't receive it. And now with that in your belt, let's go out there and let's intercede to find out where God wants us. Be prepared to do the work he's called us to do with power and dominion. Let's go take the kingdom back. We're in the final days. Let's bring it home. In Jesus' name, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue rise against you, you will condemn it. And if the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will flush him out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.